Good morning, church. Uh, Today's the day where we get to say thank you to our mothers. So on behalf of the church, I want to wish you all a happy Mother's Day. And I want to begin by reading to you a letter from a son to his mother. So it goes a little something like this. Dear mom, since I was born, you have been there. You showed me being strong means growing through the pain, that crying can be good. You taught me to love God, you taught me to care about others, and you taught me being the best I can be does not mean being the same as everyone else. I hope you know that I will always treasure what you have done and how you've raised me. Unfortunately, as children grow, a time will come when they realize their parents do not have all the answers and they need to tread their own path. I stand at this crossroads. It's not you, it's me. Our lives are simply going in different directions. The first time I realized this was last month when you peeled my banana. But I wanted to do it on my own. You were unable to put the peel back on so I could exercise my independence. You promised me that next time I could do it by myself as if that was enough to fix the wrongs that had been done. Last week, you were unable to resurrect that crumpled free sticker from the bank that I handed you while sobbing that it was ruined and I didn't want it anymore. I had big plans for that sticker, Mom. Big, life-altering plans. Just this morning, you fixed cereal for my sister and me. You put her cereal in the blue bowl. The blue bowl! As if that wasn't bad enough. You insisted that the cereal would taste the same in the red bowl. An absolutely ridiculous notion. So as you can see, I will always hold a special place for you in my heart. And I will treasure the three and a half years we've had together. You will never stop being my mom. But I simply can't go on like this. I wish you the best. I love you, your three and a half year old son. We love moms. Uh, That letter is funny because there's so much truth in it, right? Whether you've got little kids or big kids, being a mom, there are some beautiful moments, but there are also some crazy moments as your kids grow. Uh, But reading between the lines, there's nothing that moms wouldn't do for their kids, especially protecting their kids. It's as if God has given moms this lioness kind of heart for their children, And Christina Simones was one such mother. She lived on a third-story apartment, and one night while she's asleep, a fire broke out. So she wakes up, she rushes into uh, the room where her 18-month-old son was lying. She grabs him, and she goes for the front door. But the door now is engulfed in flames, and there's no way that she's able to get out. So she does the only thing that she can. She takes her little baby boy, she wraps him in her arm, and she jumps out of the third-story window. Christina landed on her back, and she severely injured it. But Cameron, her little 18-month-year-old, had only a few little scratches on him. Otherwise, he was completely fine. Christina, the doctors were unsure whether she would ever walk again. But after multiple surgeries and months and months of rehabilitation, she was able to begin walking again. And they asked her along the way, they said, would you do it again? And this was her answer. She said, in a heartbeat. He's my son. The point of the story is this. Moms are heroes. Uh, They go to incredible lengths for their children. 
Uh, and there's one unsung hero mom in the Bible that doesn't get much mention, but we've all been affected because of the kind of godly woman that she was. And we can all learn something from the faith that she displayed. And that, of course, was Moses' mom. Until last week, I have to be honest, I didn't even know the name of Moses' mom. But I have become this huge admirer of this incredible woman of faith. So my goal is, uh, by the time we end our time together this morning, that you will all know the name of Moses' mom, and you will be great admirers of her. But more than that, you will be in awe of the God she served. <clears throat> so here's the background to the story, right? There is a new pharaoh, a new king in Egypt. He's forgotten about Joseph, and he's afraid that the Hebrews are becoming too numerous and too strong. So he orders the killing of all the baby boys. And the Israelites as a nation are slaves to this oppressive Egyptian empire. And this one young mother named Jochebed, she already has at least one young daughter called Miriam, and now she gives birth to a baby boy. Verse 1 tells us that she comes from the Levite clan, which would later become the priestly clan. So she comes from a godly family. They've named her Jochebed, which means Yahweh is glory. So she's been raised to know the Lord, to seek the Lord. But here we find this mom in a moment of crisis. And we're going to learn five characteristics of faith from a mom in crisis. And the first lesson we're going to learn this morning is that in crisis, this mom had intuition. Verse 1 tells us, the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. She saw that. She was able to notice something significant about this child. Some translations say that he was a beautiful child. Now, it doesn't mean she saw little baby Moses and she said, <coughs> wow, this is a good-looking child. I'll keep him. You know, if he was ugly, mm, it doesn't mean that at all. The Hebrew word there is the word good. And it's the same word used in Genesis 1 when God looks at the world and he says, it is good. There is something there, something intrinsically good. There is something special and unique that it has a specific purpose. And Moses was such a child, but his mom noticed it first. You know, I find my wife and many godly women have this intuition. Uh, you know, she's able to notice stuff way before I do. She'll see something, she goes, oh, there's something not quite right there. Uh, and I'm like, what is she talking about? It looks fine to me, and I just can't see it. But once I've reasoned and I've analyzed and I've spent some time, I usually come to the exact same conclusion. And she's right, but she got there first. Maybe there's this sensitivity to the Spirit of God to see it. But Jochebed has this intuition. She has this sensitivity to tell her that Moses is unique. Moses has a plan and a specific promise from God. 
The second lesson we're going to learn is that Jochebed's faith was practical. This is what verse 3 says. It says, When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dubbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. She made a basket. Very practical. She dubbed it with bitumen and pitch. Very practical. I wonder how many times we've seen our wives or our sisters or our mothers or in fact any woman in the church community doing all these practical things like serving one another, like washing clothes, like making dinner, like helping with school projects and we just kind of take it for granted. Not realizing that this is a practical outworking of faith. I am extremely grateful to Jochebed that she had a practical faith. And today's a day where we should actually stop, turn around and look at our moms, our sisters, all the women in the church and say, thank you. Thank you for serving in such a practical way and living out your faith. You know, Jochebed didn't sit there and she waited for an angel to come down and start making the basket. No, she did something. So we notice the faith by which she does something. And this leads us to the third lesson she has for us. And that is, she has an active faith. Here's a mom who does something about it. Her faith is not passive, it's active. She puts her baby in a river, a river with crocodiles and all sorts of dangers. I mean, Moses hasn't even had his first swimming lesson yet. Imagine the faith she had to put her little baby boy in a basket in the Nile River and to trust that God would protect him, that God would be faithful to his promises. I am so thankful for Jochebed's active faith. I mean, humanly speaking, the odds are stacked against her, right? A baby in a basket in the Nile River. But then this happens. Verse 5 and verse 6 says this. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying. Moms, you know, babies cry. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. The baby literally floats into enemy hands. And not just enemy, the daughter of the very king who's ordered that all baby boys be killed. I mean, surely this is the last place the boy will be safe. And it's not as if Pharaoh's daughter doesn't know that this is a, a Hebrew child. You know, she says, this is one of the Hebrew children. Little Jewish boys were circumcised on the eighth day. So she takes him out of the basket. Oh, yep, yep, definitely a Hebrew boy. Imagine Jochebed. What faith you have to put your child in the arms of another but to put your child in the arms of the enemy. 
and to trust that God is faithful to his promises. What faith. I am so grateful and humbled by Jochebed's active faith. Um, Irina Sendler, she was a woman of like faith. Uh, she was a 29-year-old Christian girl who worked as a social worker in the 1930s. At the onset of World War II, the Nazis outlawed helping Jews, and they made it punishable by death, but not only death for the one helping Jews, but also for their entire family. Irina Sendler was well aware of this danger, but it didn't stop her from risking everything to save the lives of over 2,000 Jewish children. Because of her job with the social welfare department, Irina was given authorization to enter the Warsaw Ghetto. The Warsaw Ghetto was part of the city that had been walled off. It was They took all the Jews and they, they crammed them in there. There were over 300,000 Jews living in absolute squalor in this ghetto. And it's not as if the Nazis cared about the Polish Jews inside the ghetto, but what they did care about was typhus. They were worried this deadly infectious fever would spread from inside the ghetto to the soldiers standing guard. So they allowed some doctors and nurses and social workers to do inspections. And Irina volunteered. She said, I'll go. When anyone else was running away and too scared, Irina said, I'll go. And under the guise of performing inspections, Irina would enter the ghettos. She would sneak in food. She'd sneak in medicine and clothing. But she didn't leave empty-handed. In the ambulances and trams that drove away from the ghetto were babies and small children loaded into suitcases, potato sacks, anything that she could find to hide them away. And over the course of time that she did this, she managed to save over 2,000 children that she smuggled out of the ghettos. She later would recall these heart-wrenching conversations as families decided whether to send their children out, knowing that if they were discovered, it meant death. When parents asked Irina, they said, promise us that our children would be safe. She said, I can't promise you that. I don't even know whether I will be alive at the end of today. But what I can promise you is that I will do everything I can to protect your children. Irina Sendler's ultimate goal was to keep children safe. And at the end of the war, she planned to reunite them with their families. So she kept careful records of the children's whereabouts, the new names. As they came out of the ghettos, they were then sent to other Christian families and were given new names and were hidden away. So she kept these lists in jars, which she buried underground, of all the children's names and all the families that they were with. And there's a documentary about her life called Life in a Jar. In July 1942, the Nazis began rounding up the Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto and sent them to concentration camps. 
and Irina was forced to watch this whole Jewish community disappear. And she herself was arrested in 1943 for helping. And she was tortured by the Gestapo. And through it all, she managed to keep the children's identity safe. She kept her promise. In the face of brutal beatings and captivity, Irina never named any of the families that had hidden children or the children that had been saved. So they sentenced her to death. They sentenced her to die for saving children. But her friends got on their knees and they prayed. And as the officers of the Gestapo were bringing her out to execute her, friends came up and they offered the Gestapo a last-minute bribe, which they accepted, which was miraculous because the Gestapo never did. Years later, Irina has been recognized for all that she did. And she remains incredibly humble by her contribution. In 2007, she gave an interview. And she was 98, one year before she died. And this is what she said. She said, the term hero irritates me greatly. The opposite is true. I continue to have pangs of conscience that I did so little. Whatever I did was because of the faith that I have in God. This is a photo of Irina, aged 98, with some of the children that she had managed to save, and here they are being reunited. You know, she, like Jochebed, did this because she had an active faith, an active trust that God is mighty to save, and she did something. Jochebed has another lesson for us. The fourth lesson she teaches us is that of wisdom. In verse 7, it says this, Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew woman to nurse the child for you? Jochebed has wisdom to send her daughter Miriam to see what happens. She's wise enough to know it's not a good idea for herself to follow the basket. Maybe it would have been too emotional for her. Or maybe it would have been too much of a giveaway to Pharaoh's daughter to see the mom there. But Jochebed is also wise enough to involve her whole family. Miriam would have seen her mother's faith. She would have seen her mom pray. She would have seen her mom make a basket. She would have seen her mom put her baby brother in the river. It is a wise mom who brings the family in, who demonstrates faith and invites them to participate. Imagine how Miriam's faith grew when she saw how God answers prayer. How she sees how faith and wisdom are rewarded. This is what it says in verse 8 and 9. It says, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. 
Now this is the hand of the Lord at work. Not only is the little boy safe, but he's returned to his family and she is paid to take care of her own son. Only the Lord can do that. What was meant for harm, the Lord turned for good. I am so grateful for Jochebed's faith and wisdom. But you know, the greatest lesson she has for us is still to come. And it's this lesson. To trust that the Lord works all things out. In verse 10, it says this. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. I wonder if we realize that she had to give Moses up a second time. You know, Moses probably had another name. You know, he was born and he was hidden for three months and then he was given back to the family for some time. So he probably had another name. But now it is Pharaoh's daughter who names Moses. You see, the faith Jochebed has is not this once-off faith. No, she trusts the Lord will work all things out. She trusts the Lord with the future of her son, with the future of her people. So much so that she is willing to hand her baby boy back into enemies' hands, to be named by them and to be raised by them. Imagine the faith of this woman. She's a Hebrew and she's handing over a little boy to, to her people's oppressors. It's like a, a Jewish family during the Holocaust handing their little boy over to be raised by a Nazi family. Why does she do this? It's not that she has faith in the Egyptians, but she has faith in the God of Israel, the one true God who is faithful and will not fail and will Fulfill his promises, even in the most unlikely of ways. I am humbled by Jochebed's unfailing trust in the Lord. You know, getting to know Jochebed a little bit this week, I now kind of find it fitting that she, she hardly gets mentioned. You know, I think maybe that's exactly what she would want. You have to go all the way to Exodus 6 to find out her name. You see, her life and her actions point not to how amazing she is, but to how amazing and faithful the Lord is. The very last verse in Exodus chapter 1 says this, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people... Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So the very place that Pharaoh, the enemy, meant for death, the Nile, is the very thing that God uses to rescue. The last verse from the passage tells us the name Moses means I drew him out of the water. Moses was saved from a certain death. The enemy planned to destroy, but the Lord says, I am mighty to save. 
When Moses, the deliverer, the rescuer of his people is about to be born, the enemy tries to kill all baby boys. When Jesus, the deliverer, the rescue, the savior of the whole world is about to be born, the enemy uses Herod to try and kill all baby boys. But God will not stop his promises to save. It will not stop his promises to save. Pharaoh thought the Nile would literally drown out the promise that God used, but that very Nile was a means of salvation. The enemy thought the cross would kill the promise of a rescuer, and God uses that very cross as a means to bring life. Only God can do that. The cross it was designed as an instrument of torture and pain and death. And anyone sent to the cross was humiliated and they certainly never came back. Yet Jesus, God himself, who is completely holy and just, the creator of all things, and yet he is infinitely loving and merciful chooses to go to the cross himself, to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. The sinless for the sinful, the innocent for the guilty, my sin for his righteousness, his life for my death. You know, the Bible says it like this. It says, for our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. He was completely innocent of sin. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. He is faithful. He is mighty to save. In Jesus, his promises are yes and amen as we've sung today. You know, that's why many moms from Jochebed all the way through the ages have put their trust in the Lord because they trust in His goodness and His promises and they know that He never fails. That's why you see so many moms, they just live their lives with humble faith that point to Jesus, just as Jochebed did. They put their trust in him. So today I really want us to honor moms and to thank you for the lives you've lived that point us in every way, in every day to Jesus. And to just to encourage you to keep pressing on, to keep abiding in him and keep pointing us to Jesus. We are so thankful for you. I would love to finish today for praying for all the women who have joined us today as we all learn what it means to have intuition, a sensitivity to God's Spirit, as we all learn to have a faith that is practical in serving others, as we all learn what it means to have an active faith to do something 
as we all learn to apply the wisdom that God has given us. And ultimately, as we all learn to trust the Lord that He is working all things out. After I've prayed, we're going to finish by worshiping King Jesus, the rescuer, the savior of the world, who never fails and who is mighty to save. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for this wonderful and humble woman, Jochebed, just for her faith in times of crisis. Lord, I, I pray that we too might have such faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray for all the mothers and all the women who are part of City Reach and the church globally. I pray that you would bless them today. I pray that you would remind them that they are loved, that they are accepted, that they are cherished, Lord God. I pray that you would encourage them with your word that speaks such truth. Lord, give them the strength and the courage they need to, to mother well and to lead well in their families as they point their children to Christ. Lord, I pray for us as husbands. Help us to love our wives. Help us to lead them with humility and help us to love them as Christ loved the church. Father, above all, we just want to say thank you to you. Thank you that you are faithful to your promises and that you are good to your children. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.